most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. second reading from Colossians chapter 2. The God-man, Christ Jesus, shed his blood to pay the debt of our sin and raises us to new life by his death and resurrection. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, worked by the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. gap there's a gap a space an empty spot where there should be a sense of satisfaction and stability and comfort and wholeness there's something missing like being taught only the first 10 letters and the last ten letters of the alphabet, whatever happened to K-L-M-N-O-P, like visiting grandma, but grandma's in a casket and not in her chair, like trying to climb a twelve-rung ladder, but the middle three rungs are missing. That's what it felt like for folks who lived in and around a town called Colossi, and for people in metro Milwaukee, and the person I face in the mirror each day. The Christians who lived in Colossae tried to fill the gap in their hearts and lives by beginning to listen to some of the latest trends in religious talk. Get connected to the forces around you. Let the the 
Beams of the universe radiate into your being. That only left them confused and still empty. So there were others who were talking to the Colossians who sounded like Carson the butler from Downton Abbey. You won't have any gaps in your lives if you follow tradition and the ancient forms. If the old rules were good enough for your ancestors, they should be good enough for you. But the theoretical ideas floating around didn't fill the gap in their hearts any more than it would be satisfying to eat the smoke from the grill instead of the meat. And trying to fill the gap in our hearts and lives with goody-two-shoes behavior, even if we try really hard, still leaves us with an empty spot, with a gap. There was a young man 500 years ago from Eisleben, Germany, who tried to fill the gap in his heart by entering a monastery, but he still kept coming up empty. There's a gap. There's a gap in my relationship with God. Martin Luther at that time had not yet discovered what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, a message intended for them and for him and for you and for me, a message that offers satisfaction and stability and comfort and wholeness, a message that is as relevant today as it was 500 years ago for Martin Luther and two millennia ago for the people in Colossae, and ever since our first parents created a gap in their own hearts by turning to God and saying, we don't need you. Who would be so foolish as to sign up for a gap in their relationship with God and create a hole in their hearts? I see no one raising a hand. Good. But guess what? We were all born that way. So now what? The Apostle Paul has the answer in today's second reading from his letter to Colossians in chapter 2. This is your full life. So you finish the work day and are Heading home, you ask Siri to give you an update on the news and you hear about a village in a faraway country where they've been hit by a flu virus that has never been seen before and several villagers have died. The next day there's the report that it's not three villagers, but 3,000 Researchers from the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta are rushing to see if they can bring any help. Then the news reports flash around the world and on social media. They're calling the disease the mystery flu, and it has spread rapidly through the Middle East and Asia and Europe. If you're infected with the disease, you have minimal symptoms for three days, a little runny nose, upset stomach, but on day four, boom. You're dead. Horror of horrors. This disease has invaded our nation and spread across the country. People are in a panic. Researchers are working around the clock to come up with a vaccine. Nothing's working. Months go by. Suddenly, a lab technician comes up with, Hey, 
I have discovered it. I have found a way to counter the virus. We need someone who's never been affected to use their blood as the basis to create a vaccine that, a vaccine that will work. So the message is sent out on all the emergency networks. Go quietly and quickly to your nearest hospital to have your blood tested to see if you might be the one whose blood will work. So you head to the nearest hospital with your family. You all get tested on the blood draw. And sure enough, an hour later, a lab technician comes charging down the hall. I found it! I found it! We found the person whose blood is a perfect match to create the vaccine against this flu virus. It's the blood of your son. Everybody is jumping up and down and hugging and high-fiving. Hoo-hoo! Then the doctor comes up and says to you, yes, your son is a perfect match. His blood will work to create the vaccine, but we don't need just a vial of his blood or a pint. We need all of it. Here's the consent form. Could you sign the form? Would you? Some teachers with big credentials had come to the town of Colossae and saying to the people there, well, you know, this business of being connected to God, it it just can't be as easy as the apostles of Jesus say, a free gift from God. There must be at least something you got to do to enhance your relationship with God. After all, you are hardworking, intelligent people. You earn every dollar you make. You earn every crumb of bread that you eat. Don't you think that you deserve at least a little credit for getting in with God? And think of how pious and religious you will look to people around you and how good you'll feel about yourself when you avoid certain foods, when you observe certain rules about worship, when you stay away from certain places and people that are marked unclean. But that message left the people in Colossae empty and with questions. If a full life with God comes from our following rules, how do we know if we're following the right rules or regulations? How do we know if we have done enough? And there's the gap between God and sinners. The Apostle Paul wrote to them, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. He's told them the new teachers are trying to pull you back to your inborn basic instincts. They're trying to convince you that there's at least something you can do, at least a little, if not a lot, to get a good relationship with God. But those teachers, Paul wrote to these people, those teachers are snake oil salesmen in preacher's robes. Underneath, they have the same stripes as the snake in Eden who convinced Adam and Eve that they should be able to do at least a little, if not a lot, to elevate themselves in God's sight to get up to his level. But that's like and a student of advanced composition thinking that mimicking the style of Dr. Zeus is brilliant literature. That's like an astrophysicist trying to calculate a space rocket's path with a tape measure. It won't work. It was a lie in Eden, and it's a lie today. There is nothing, simply nothing, that you or I can do to get a full life with God, to fill in the gap in our hearts. The Apostle Paul said, you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. That's the empty spot. That's the gap 
in our relationship with God. Praise the Lord God that the Apostle Paul didn't stop there. He did not leave the Colossians nor us empty. He wrote to them and to us, and he says, you don't have to start from scratch. You've got the full package. Here's what he wrote. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, worked by the power of God. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You can't have a full life with God unless your sins are paid for. So God reaches into your heart and mine and he rips out our sins and he nails them to the cross and then he has the blood of his own son wash them all away from his sight. The blood of his son. He was willing to sign the consent form. The blood of his son. Not a, not a little vial or a pint, but all of his son's blood. Washing away sin from his sight. Blood that was a perfect match to become the vaccine against the sin flu virus. And then he didn't leave our hearts empty. Oh no, there's no gap in our relationship with God. Dead and dying hearts are buried in the waters of baptism. And coming out and raising out of those waters is a heart filled with mercy and love from Jesus and into a new life. This is your full life. We have full life with God because he fills us with what Jesus did. The apostle is not talking about a full stomach or a full calendar or a truck full of gifts. This is your full life. You're filled up inside by what Jesus did for you. Then why is it that there are times when Bill felt pushed away in his marriage when Sally had a friend who turned away from her, when Sam had co-workers who were giving him the cold shoulder, when Lily found that her friends were no longer hanging around with her, her classmates were no longer hanging around. There's a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap in our relationship with others when our inborn sinful side keeps raising its ugly head and pushing Jesus' love to the edges of our hearts and leading us to let loose with a caustic comment or double down on insecurity or put self first, then there's a gap in our relationship with others. The teachers who had come to Colossae said to those people, well, don't worry about that. So what? Don't worry about others, your spouse or your friends or your coworkers or your neighbors. Don't worry. Take care of yourself. You've got enough stress in your own life to handle. You need to cope with and handle your own issues. That'll make everything better. But it just left those people empty. There was a gap in their relationship with other people. The Apostle Paul then wrote this. So then, just as you, were, you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, continue to live in him. That's not just a beautiful picture, that's reality. The Lord God has not only given us full life forever, but full life right now. You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Looking at the gap in the relationships I sometimes have with others and thinking that I'm the one who can fill those gaps, well, that's like expecting an ant to have as much power as an elephant. That's like saying my doodlings on scratch paper are as valuable as a Monet. Feeling empty sometimes, lacking energy, Don't look inside. Look outside yourself at what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and be amazed that he has planted in you Jesus' mercy and love. Therein lies the power. Therein is the key to more kindness and caring and concern for others. You can stop. You can stop. Filled up with Jesus' love, you can stop the backbiting and backstabbing and bitterness. You can stop the grumbling and grumpiness. You can bury the hatchet, forget about grudges, be nice to neighbors, and even be kind to that ill-tempered boss because Jesus' love fills you up and his love fills the gap in our relationship, in our relationships with others. Martin Luther said, this is just amazing, that God hides his majesty in humanity. You and I get to be a little Christ to other people when we love and serve and care and give because we are rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the truth as we are taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This, this is your full life. All because Jesus not only came into the world for us, but because Jesus now is in us with his power, which impacts our relationship with all others around us. The straw on the floor was not a, very, not a very good bed. It reeked of mold and dirt and waste. Water dripped from the ceiling onto his head. A rat scurried across his ankles. And John wondered, was I baptizing and pointing to the right One, sitting all alone in his prison cell, John the Baptist felt the gap in his connection with God and his connection with other people. Fortunately, some of his buddies were allowed to visit him while in prison, and John sent them onto the one, to the one whose head he had, onto whose head he had dribbled water from the Jordan. Are you the one? Jesus told them, go back and tell John that the blind have received sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Go back and tell John that he was right on track, pointing to me. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Tell John there is no gap in his life. Tell John, I, Jesus, have come, that he may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' message to John the Baptist is his message to you. This is your full life. Amen.
Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.